Listeners be warned, there are mentions of graphic and sexual violence in this episode. If you're uncomfortable listening to that, you might want to skip this one. Without further ado, The Morally Ambiguous World. How do we define morality? How do we decide what we consider to be right or wrong, or what even constitutes as being right or wrong? So much of that answer is contingent on our upbringing, and the circumstances regarding our early lives. The initial framework of our values and morals are first and foremost directly shaped by who we consider to be authority, whether it be parental figures or government and law enforcement or religious doctrine. They all provide their own moral codes and ethics and can be responsible for shaping our perspective by providing a baseline understanding of the world. But it's these circumstances, specific events or experiences that both shape us and scar us, reframing what we consider to be the moral ambiguity inherent in our world. A character who demonstrates this reframing of morality is the masked vigilante Rorschach, real name Walter Kovacs, from Alan Moore's 1986 comic Watchmen. In issue 6 of the comic, Walter undergoes psych evaluations under the guidance of Dr. Malcolm Long, who is attempting to gauge his psychological profile and get to the underlying reasons why Walter Kovacs chose to don his ink-blooded mask in the first place and become Rorschach. Now, over the course of their meetings, Malcolm Long employs the use of, coincidentally, the Rorschach test as a benchmark to examine Kovacs' progress and evaluate how he views the world, getting to the central reasons why he chose a life of violence and vigilantism. Central to the identity of the inkblot test is the idea that a person's interpretation of an ambiguous scene can reveal hidden depths about the person and their worldview. The black images on a blank canvas allow for the person being evaluated to prescribe their own beliefs and biases onto, resulting in our interpretations of said images holding value that may directly affect our own. In the comic, when Long starts showing Kovacs these images, they trigger memories, links to past defining events. And we are taken on a journey through these memories, which are cornerstones to Walter's persona and personality, specifically his disdain and hatred for most people. Rorschach views the world around him through a lens of cynicism and disgust, describing New York and its people as being gutters full of vermin. He is constantly ridiculing the members of society he deems to be the lowest common denominator. One group he specifically takes aim at are sex workers. This disdain for them is rooted in the relationship he had with his mother, who was a prostitute herself, and would beat and abuse him. This compounded with the fact that other kids would bully him, calling his mother a whore and antagonizing him, led Walter to resort to extreme levels of violence, learning at an early age that justice wouldn't be served unless he enacted his own form of it. As Walter Kovacs, he was always in a perpetual cycle of experiencing or witnessing the worst parts of what humanity had to offer. And at the age of 16, he reads in the paper the story about the horrendous murder and rape of Kenny Genovese. This event is the catalyst that causes Walter to don the mask of Rorschach and seek out justice for those who have suffered wrongdoings. But it's not just the murder and rape of Kitty Genovese that forces Walter into becoming a vigilante, it's the fact that she was killed outside of her own apartment building while neighbors heard her screams and did nothing, choosing to ignore and not call the police, some, disturbingly, even choosing to watch. Kovacs discovered in that moment how deeply selfish and uncaring humanity really could be, it paints a picture of an incompassionate mankind that absolves itself from social or moral responsibility because it would be too much trouble. Walter saw this as our underlying failure, mankind's evil intent hidden behind layers of self-deception and evasion. Too often we ease into the role of bystander, prioritizing our own comfort over our understanding of right and wrong in dire times, ignoring the call to action. 
Rorschach says the reason vigilantes do what they do isn't because it's permitted, but because they are compelled to. Once you see the black underbelly of the world, you can't turn your back and pretend it doesn't exist. Yet so often we do this because it's easy. Does this make us inherently corrupt and selfish? I'm not entirely sure, but I think there's something to the idea that we try to convince ourselves that we are good. Dr. Long even attempts to convey this in his interview, bringing to light the fact that there must be an inherent good in humanity and that we aren't all selfish. But even this, at least in this particular instance, is a facade. The doctor, after all, understands the fame and publicity that can come from evaluating a person like Walter, a person of his notoriety and magnitude, especially considering the fact that there are other more extreme patients in the same prison in need of care that Long doesn't seem to be as interested in helping. Even his own actions come from a place of inherent selfishness. It's for all these reasons the face of humanity has become distorted and corrupted in Kovac's eyes. And in response to that, with Rorschach, Walter was able to craft a persona, craft a face, he could finally bear to look at in the mirror. And I think this highlights something very interesting about the mask motif in Watchmen. Many of the vigilante heroes in the story wear masks, often highlighting their trauma or pain, or something character-defining that the person is trying to conceal, hide beneath the surface, a central identity or truth they are trying to run away from. In Rorschach's case, he's trying to run away from his own weakness, from the naivete he once had about the world, from the soft nature and disposition he once had. Rorschach is so imbued by the force of this mask and the power it gives him that he considers it to be his true face. And when he is Walter Kovacs, unmasked, that's when he's truly hidden. When he's Rorschach, he is revealed. He is himself. Now, at the time the comic takes place, after about 30 years of vigilantism and masked heroes being allowed to operate and fight crime alongside the law, vigilantism has now since been outlawed, keeping most of the former members of various crime-fighting teams out of service. But only Rorschach still remained active, refusing to reveal himself to authorities or stop his never-ending quest to punish what he saw as evil. At the end of issue 5, the police finally capture him when he's framed and set up for a murder, and they unmask him for the first time, revealing Kovac's disturbingly ugly face underneath the Rorschach mask exterior. This disillusionment Kovac suffers between his Rorschach and Kovac identity is a result of him trying to destroy the Kovacs part of his psyche, and all that is attached to it. Kovacs describes himself to Long as, at first, pretending to be Rorschach, wearing the mask and pursuing vigilantism, but not truly understanding what it meant. He was soft, letting villains and evildoers live. It wasn't until his first kill that he truly began to understand the weight of his position, the singular power he had, and the gruesome circumstances that brought this realization to life. There was a man who kidnapped a little girl and fed her to his dogs. So in response to that, Rorschach kills both the dogs, locks the man inside of his own house, and sets the house on fire, standing outside, watching it burn for hours. It's one thing to kill someone, but another to bask in your work as if it were art. It's in this moment, this moment that is serene to him, even calming, that the amalgamation of everything he's witnessed or experienced comes crashing together. The abuse he suffered at the hands of his mother, the rape and murder of Kitty Genovese, the kidnapping and dismemberment of a six-year-old girl, even the very act he's enacted himself of burning a man alive, they are all a result of the inherent randomness of the world, born of the choices we choose to make, separate from any vague metaphysical force. Nothing can stop the hand of violence, not even justice. And there's a hidden disturbance to finding out that even justice itself has no moral bias. Justice and morality is shaped singularly by each individual. It's not until Walter Rorschach was able to enact his own form of justice, violent and sadistic as it may be, that he comes to the realization that the question, is the world and humanity truly good or evil, is improper. 
the Rorschach test is inherently flawed because the world we live in has no fixed underlying morality. Only we do. Everything that happens is because of us, all following our own distinct codes, all seeing different patterns in the inkblot. And because of this, we are prone to reject human responsibility for our own actions. We deflect blame onto external forces, God or fate or destiny, unable to stomach the idea that the destructive nature of our kind lies in no one's fault but our own. We are alone, utterly, inexplicably alone, and we must learn to accept that reality in one form or another. In effect, the world we live in is made in the likeness of that inkblot test. But the picture revealed to us isn't a pretty butterfly or the head of a dog split in two. The true horror lies in the truth. The truth that the picture is simply blank, meaningless nothingness. A random inkblot whose pattern we only imagined after staring at it for too long. A canvas for which an individual, any individual, can prescribe their own version of morality too cast their own convictions and biases towards. We try to live as harmonious as we can, but in the end we have to experience life alone, singularly vetting new information or ideas as our framework of what we know and what we don't know evolves. We continue to ask more and more questions concerning the nature of our world, seeking answers that inevitably lead us to asking more questions, because so much of the true nature of this world lies in the abyss, an amalgamation of our collective understandings and misunderstandings concerning the unknown, and when we gaze into the abyss, trying to decipher its meaning, pleading for it to give us answers, the abyss gazes also, pleading for us to do the same. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ao Akinbade. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>